Watch out. Murray leaks out. All right, we're back for a second time, I would say. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be the right one, Mac? I think in this season, yeah, absolutely. Especially since we haven't recorded since the Spurs are went, were 2-0. and That was a win over the Washington Wizards, which we were both at, but... Yeah, so we haven't recorded ever since then. Yeah, we actually did some did some other other projects with that. We did that live stream off of uh, off of Twitter. <laughs> yeah, we did we did the live stream at the game at at the Wizards game. We we've been doing at least I've been doing car chats occasionally or just post game chats. Then we've also both been going on lock on locked on Spurs as well since we are contributors for news for San Antonio Spurs Zone, which at the line is brought to you by, of course. You can go check that out on News for San Antonio's website or follow Jeff G Spurs Zone on Twitter for everything Spurs, as well as anything nerdy that Jeff will provide you as well, aka the, our boss man, aka a large Star Wars fan who is not excited about this upcoming movie. I mean, rightly so. The, the, the movie does not seem very good, and it's probably just going to be another rehash of what they, you know, they have in, in the past. I, I'm just looking for. I would like to see how it ends and go watch it myself. But, but we have a lot to catch up on. We again, we haven't recorded since mid October or late October. I would say right, late October since since that game. It's been it's been a damn good while. Uh, it's like it's like October 26 was when that happened. So we haven't recorded since. And since then, there's a lot the Spurs have got have done, and not the best either. Going on. A franchise worst seven game losing streak since Pop has taken over. They are now currently ten and sixteen as we are recording this after a loss to Houston 107 to 109. And we we had our concerns about the defense going into the going into those after those first two games, and it's clearly developed into a major issue for this team. I mean, I think the defense has been an issue. Everybody's know the defense has been an issue from the very beginning. It, even when they were, you know, two and zero, the defense was still an issue. In those games that they were winning, they weren't winning because of the they were shutting them down defensively. They were winning because they were outscoring those people. And then somewhere along the way, it, the wheel fell off, and you know the offense became stagnant, and it was very just hodgepodgey. Um, but I think defense has always been an, the issue from the very, very beginning. And the number one, the biggest thing is due to the rotations that are currently, you know, that currently Pop is experimenting with, or should I say not so much experimenting with. Yeah, and I think my biggest keyword 
were on Twitter and then going on Locked on Spurs was saying rotations, 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 because those were some of the biggest issues that this team had going into this going going in this first this first quarter of the season. I would say where you just had some really shitty ass line shitty ass lineups, shitty ass starting fives, especially the first starting five. That was one of the worst in the league at that point that had like a at least a summon a certain amount of minutes at the time plus and was one of the worst and the only starting fives in the league that had a negative net rating at that time and it's like what the fuck is going on and why the, just and why the fuck aren't you changing it right in and the most frustrating thing about that was last year um at the at last year throughout the entire almost all the way up to all-star break you saw pop constantly changing his rotations and i think that was one of the biggest criticisms of last year was like what the heck is he doing they're, they're not getting consistent you know consistent minutes they're, they're not building that chemistry and it wasn't until all-star break that you saw them develop and have and pop started having you know consistency in his rotations but this year he's just doesn't give a shit he it, it, it he hasn't even when he has made the changes the rotations that he's made has been terrible and it's because he continues to go with certain players that are terrible and it's like i understand that and, and if people want to argue the fact that he's you know that there's that there's veterans on the team that they've you know done their they they put in their time, you know. They have a ring, whatever, whatever your argument is. At this point, right now, being ten and sixteen, it's not working. You know, the formula that you have been doing is not working. There have been, you know, little little blimps of light here and there that that obviously show you what this team can be, and that's what you have to tap into. And unfortunately, so far, pops rotations, the rotations have not have not blossomed from that I, I mean there's nothing else i can say to that yeah and i completely agree with you and i think most of spurs spurs twitter fandom whatever the hell you want to call it they all fucking agree with you and they i've it's there's no way around it to where and it's very inexcusable to especially if you're looking at stats and i know that some guys are not key with the stats but come on you have to look at this you have to see this that this is not working that throwing marco bellinelli in is not working and see, and, and that's what, that's the thing is like I don't really want to shit on one particular person. You know, it's not. While while I will say that Marco has to has to be buried in the bench. Period. Either cut him, you know, cut your losses with him, send him to another team, whatever. Bury him in the bench. He he should not be playing professionally here in the NBA at all anymore. Um, but and the problem exists more beyond that. Also, it's not just him. Yeah, and yeah, like I said, and going back to the rotations, playing Damari Carroll only 120 minutes this whole season so far, that's in a fucking excusable. This is you brought this dude on, you made trades to make sure that this guy could come come on along with Marcus Morris, which that got fucked over. And I can't blame the Spurs front front office on this, but I can blame the front office and the coaching staff for not playing Damari Carroll only 120 fucking minutes. This is the guy that's going to be helping you on the defensive end, which you desperately need it. Yeah, you're kind of dropping a lot of F-bombs. You're kind of I don't fucking this, care. Actually. No, it's this is our podcast. Are, we, I, I can't you are cu- upset about this. I can't, I can't cuss Unlocked on Spurs, and I am here to cuss all fucking day. 
Let it out, dude. Release the demons. Dude, I took... Exercise the demons. Dude, I cussed for, like, the first (laughs) time this year on Twitter. Like, this last week. And I don't give a shit anymore. This is a safe space, bro. (laughs) This is a safe space. It's winter. You're okay. It's it's time for all the snowflakes to come down. It's a safe space. It's good. You're good. (laughs) But... Again, I'm, I'm like you, like you are. I'm fed up with these rotations, and yeah, and and that's and see, and again, it goes like I said, like it's not only on Bryn, or I mean, sorry, it's not only on Marco, but there, there's the other person that was on the back of my head. Um, <laughs> but it's not. It's just you have you have these specific role players that they they play a specific position or they play a specific function in, in the entire machine, in the entire cog. And when these players that are very niche or very role specific are not doing what their role is supposed to be, it hurts the team tremendously because you don't have a lot of these, you don't have the talent or the type of players, or you're not playing the type of players that can play both sides of the ball. Right now, the players that are hurting the Spurs the most are the ones that are specific to shooting. And that's it. And I think because those are the players that are, that are, terrible on perimeter defense and i think that is the biggest issue right now at this point um not you know aside from aside from the interior defense that has that's is horrible when lamarcus is out there but if this if the perimeter defense was at least adequate or or moderate you wouldn't see some of these teams dropping 120 points on the spurs it, it wouldn't be that easy but because you you're playing guys like Bryn Forbes and Marco Bellinelli 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes a night, that is not going to help you at all. You know, like you say, you have Damari Carroll on the bench. And yes, he may be a step slow. He may not know the, you know, know the system. But at the same time, like you said, you're paying this dude $21 million for the next three years. Um, and you're not even using him. You're not even playing him. He's. I'm sure he's more serviceable in his role than Marco Bellinelli. Like, I could understand if somebody were to say, "Okay, let's play Demar Carroll over Marco," and then I'd be like, "Okay, you know, maybe." Well, I mean, now that we've seen Lonnie do Lonnie things, I can't say there's there's absolutely zero argument to not play Lonnie. You know, twenty thirty minutes a game. Um, so, but I would say, you know. After Lonnie, the next person after Lonnie should be Demari Carroll. The next person after that should be Demari Carroll getting the 15 minutes a game, getting the 10 to 15 minutes a game, especially when you have a lineup out there that needs perimeter defense. And instead, you roll out with Marco Bellinelli. Like, how do you expect to win these games when this guy can't even do what he's supposed to do in, in shooting his three ball? You know, people... People were like, oh, in the very beginning of the season when he was getting minutes, people were like, oh, he's he's there for the three. He's there because he can shoot the three. The dude wasn't even shooting a serviceable three percentage. He was shooting like 30%, even lower than that. It's not until now, 20, almost 30 games into the season, that this dude is finally up into the 32, 33%. And as a three-point specialist, you think I'm, you think I'm acceptable? Or you think I'm going to accept that? This guy is supposed to be a a three-point specialist, and he's shooting 32%. Come on. Derek White is shooting shooting better than that. Patty Mills is shooting better than that. 
don't give me that crap that this guy is a three-point specialist, that, that we, we depend on his three-ball. You know, even Lonnie Walker is shooting better than that. It's, it's, it's crazy, and Marco is arguably and statistically one of the worst shooters on this team. If you look at the guys that are getting cons- consistent runtime, he is the worst. He is shooting an abysmal 32% from the field alone and 32 from three. What the fuck? It's and it's I can understand that he can he will still hit the occasional shot, aka go back to the his game his game winner, but then any other against the Kings and then any other game such as the Houston the latest Houston game goes over fucking five from the field over four from three, and this is a game where you needed scoring, and of course this happens in the second half of the game, which is probably the one of the worst halves. That could have happened to the Spurs team. One of the best halves in the, the se- this team has ever seen this season so far. And there's a, f- there's a few things I can think of where, yeah, Lonnie was coming off a weird knee contusion coming from the previous game. He might not have been 100% himself, and that's why he wasn't, he wasn't playing the whole game. I can understand that. I will give the benefit of the doubt to the coaching staff on that one. What I will not give the benefit to the doubt is letting Marco Bellinelli stay out on the floor when he's shooting abysmal 0 for 5. I don't know how the fuck you let that happen. You should be playing Jamari Carroll in in that instance. You should be running some other guys. Especially when you come to Carroll, it's like, what the fuck do you have to lose? You have nothing to lose if you play this man. He's most likely going to improve your team overall, especially on defense where you fucking need it. And it's. I mean, at least, at, even if, even at the least, like, even if he, if he starts off slow and then builds into it, at least you know where his ceiling is. Like, you know, his ceiling is much better than Marco Bellinelli because he can at least defend. Like, <laughs> at least give us that. Yeah, he has he has size compared to Marco against some of these other players, especially the wing position, which is the probably the position. most, which is probably the most dominant position in the game at this moment. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And again, everything is generated from the perimeter. And you see these people that are, you see these players that are just slashing right in, you know, running through through our turnstile guards because, you know, they can't defend the perimeter. And so they go into the paint easily. And and that leads to, you know, the next big thing is like, we have, if, unfortunately, if Lamarcus is out there, there's no interior defense. Yes, he's made a couple of blocks here and there that have been pretty damn good. But at the same time, he has literally the worst, like, plus minus, like, with any teammate out of the entire team. It's just, he looks so unmotivated. He he looks so detached. He looks like he's just ready to be over with the season. He looks like he needs, he needs a new change of scenery. Yeah, and if you look at, if you look at his, statistics, his statistics, it's very deceptive, I would say. Lamarcus is a guy that you can't allow the stats to veer your change of mind. You have to, you have to do the eye test with the Lamarcus. And well, I think that's the problem. That's the problem with everybody. Like, I think it's a problem with stats in in general. Like, if you don't take the stats and couple them with with what was in game, then people are always going to just look at the stats and say, "Oh, that was a good game," or "Oh, that was a bad game." You know, I think that's the problem with stats without context. If you don't have exactly. context with those stats, you, you're you're only getting half of of, of the of the entire um, of the entire pie, you know, and that's I mean it's the same thing with Harden, you know. You see it on these on these Twitter social media or Twitter sports sites that are 
always like, oh, Harden dropped 52 points and blah, blah, blah. But then, you know, they don't mention how many free throws he had, which make up at least half of them, you know, or they don't mention how inefficient he was at shooting. The same thing with Russell Westbrook, you know, like, and I'm, I'm sorry to shit on the Rockets, but they were just the most recent. What? You're sorry about that? Why, why, why would you be <laughs> sorry guess, about that? You know what? I'm not sorry about that. Fuck yes. There we go. This is what this but... podcast is. We're not fucking sorry for trashing on the Rockets because fuck That's the Rockets. That's true. Yeah, I mean, and not to mention, I mean, fucking DJ just owned his ass this past game. So, Dude. and he was still terrible this past game. Harden, like I said, and that's why you need that's why you need context with these stats. You can't just take these stats and say, oh, this person did really great, or oh, this person did bad, because these the stats tell a, a, a portion of the story. You need to watch the game for the next one. Jakob Pertl is a great player to look at that because he may not fill up the stat sheet as as far as points, or you know, might not get a ton of blocks. Or might not get a ton of rebounds, but this man, he just he influences the game. He completely, you know, guards the paint, and it just he puts the he makes the Spurs a completely different team when he's on the floor. And the stats will prove that. <laughs> yeah, it's just I always love seeing Pirtle out there because it's no matter what, it's going to be the defense is always going to be improved somehow, especially in the low block. Yeah, the offense might not be as great with him on the floor, but he's more of an off-ball guy. He's not a guy that needs that ball, and that's what the Spurs really need in kind of that guy, in that position. And he knows his role, and it's perfect for it. And, and that, that's he, that's exactly it. Like with with the players you have, with the team you have set up now, it shouldn't be that the center is a very ball dominant center, like you know, like your Joel Embiid or or your Jokic. Or maybe even your Andre Drummond. I haven't really caught very many Pistons games, um, but he shouldn't be scoring. You know, he shouldn't be scoring 20, 20, 30 points. He shouldn't be scoring anywhere near that. He should be. You know, the center in, in San Antonio is is kind of the is kind of the defensive anchor, and that's that's his main position, and that's his main objective is being the defensive anchor, and then from there, everybody else around him generates the offense. Yeah, and actually looking at the plus, so looking at per 100 possessions, per 100 possessions is one of my favorite stats, to be honest, just because mm-hmm. it, it, tells a, it tells a better story than just a per game averages. He's Per 100 possessions, he's averaging 3.3 blocks. That's Jesus. fucking, and his, offensive, That's and his offensive ranking is one of the best on the team at 123, and his defensive ranking is the second best on the team at 107. I think it, I think a great stat from him was um, was in the past few games. In the past like five or six games, he's almost gotten like twenty blocks. Like that is that's that's wild. <laughs> yes, it, I think his blocking streak ended la- ended the last game, but still yeah versus the Rockets. But still, that that's a crazy stat. Uh, yeah, he didn't get a block against Houston, but the previous games I, I mean he say, only played like ten minutes versus Houston. I think if I remember correctly, yeah, he only played ten minutes. It wasn't it like, wasn't that great. Which is insane, like, like and this, again, this goes back to rotations. Like, Pop, what are you doing? <laughs> like this, like you have Jakob Pertl who can, who can guard Capella very, very well because he's quick. He's he's strictly in the paint, you know, and he's a bigger body and he's long, you know, and he's not gonna shy away from from Capella trying to back him down. And you go with Lamarcus, like, come on, what are you doing? <laughs> It's it's crazy, and you were actually dead on from since the Minnesota game back on November twenty seventh before Thanksgiving, up to the Phoenix game or Clinton Houston's game. He had twenty blocks, it, like insane. And the span, like in, in the span five of, games, 
I think five or six games uh, in the span of six six games. Jesus Christ! Like that is that's wild, dude. That's wild. Four five. blocks a game. Essentially, five blocks a game. Four. He had four against Minnesota, four against the Clippers, five against Houston, three against Sacramento, two against the Cleveland. That's crazy. Dude, and it, I'm telling you. And his again, his defensive rating on a team that does not have a great defensive rating, where the team's overall defensive rating is 111. His ranking and Dejounte's is where one are the two best on the team at 106 and 107. Jesus, dude. There's there's a dip. Those two play a big role and are a difference maker when those two are out on the floor. And DJ showed it last night in general, where yeah. not, and by last night I mean against Houston. Against what, Houston. Again, I'm trying to get back into the flow of podcasting, so don't mind me. <laughs> again, we haven't this done is, this, this in, choppy. <laughs> we haven't done choppy. this in three months. This but, is kind of like word soup, just like poof, just word vomit, just everything coming out. Yeah, because we're we're, like we're the floodgates. We're getting like two months of pain and suffering off our chests. <laughs> it's bad. It's just, <laughs> it, yeah, it, it, again, it goes down to rotations. It comes down to rotations, like, and no one in the media will ask that question. No one will ask, Pop. Why the hell are you playing the worst defender in, in, in the NBA? Why the hell are you playing possibly the worst player in the NBA? How has this person received 10 to 15 to 20 minutes a game when you have the likes of somebody like Alani Walker on your team? You know what? Hell, even bring in Keldon Johnson from the G League and give him some minutes. Because he's that that kid is just tearing it up in the G League. He doesn't look like he belongs there. Last game gets that, a herd, thirty-two points. Good God! Tell me his. Tell me, do you have do you have his three-point average? I'll up? bring I'll bring it up while you're talking. Uh, all I'm saying is, look, man. Someone needs to, and I know obviously Pop is probably going to give the, the the Popovichian answer like. I don't concern myself with stats or, or, or why don't you ask him himself or, or some bullshit like that or like or do you want to coach? At that point, I'd say, hell yeah, you know what? Let me coach. Let me coach one game. Let me, let me try and coach one game and see how much I either fuck up or how much, you know, I don't fuck up. Are his three, so looking at Keldon, his three-point percentage is not the best, but his field goal percentage while t- attempting 14 points – 14 shot field goal attempts a game. He's shooting 52% from the field. And that's, a, I mean, and averaging nearly 20 points a game. That's the I think that's the biggest problem with the uh, uh with the G League squad is like their three-point shots are are pretty terrible. Or at least that's when I when I looked at them the last they were. Yeah, so looking at the three-point, uh it's not it's not the best, but it's also not complete trash except for my man Jeff Ledbetter shooting 46% from the field from deep. A veteran G leaguer right there. He's just going to retire from the G League because he's never going to get called up. Hey, he's averaging seven points a game, man. He's a sharpshooter. What am I saying? Only seven <laughs> points a game? 7.7 game. Like three of them are, again, looking at the looking at the averages, most of the point totals are going to the uh, assignees where the top three scores are Keldon, Chemezi, Luca, Drew, and Dredrick Lawson. Damn it, dude. Even Chemezi needs to come up. Like, I'm done. I'm tired with, fucking, <laughs> with, with LA. <laughs> Bring in Chemezi, 
give me fucking KJ. Even throwing Luca with like a few sprinkle minutes here and there. Just bring in those guys, man. Just bring them, bring them in, and and boot out Marco. Trade whatever you can for um, trade wherever you get for. Or I guess this can go into our next segment. Let's stop here. Yeah, I was gonna say. I was gonna say. Let's, let's, let's take a breather. Let's take a breather. Let's come back. We'll talk about some positives. Why not? <laughs> sure, sure. The little positives that we have this season that we're holding on to. Yeah, we we got what we needed off our chest, but we're gonna go to talk about the positives because there is a good amount of positives coming so far from this team. We'll be right back here on At The Line. Hey guys, have you ever listened to At The Line and then suddenly think, huh, I kind of want to make my own podcast? Well, guess what? I have something that's going to be the best tool for you in starting off your podcast. It's called Anchor. And this is what we use here at the line. Fun. It's absolutely free to use. And guess what? I know some of our hosting websites, they cost money to have you start your podcast, host it, and all that. Anchor doesn't do that. It's absolutely free. And there's even creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer if you don't have all the equipment that you want. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so you don't have to go to all these other websites and figure out, how do what what do I put? How do I get this? It's so confusing. Anchor, although, makes it easy for you, and they will put your podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many a more podcasting websites. And guess what? The best part of it, you can make money from your podcast, but no minimum listenership. That means you can do your podcast for free while making money. Who doesn't love that? And it's everything that you need to make your podcast in one place so make sure to download the free anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started on your free podcast nine again he's also ninth in the league in steals and has another one and murray lays it up and in with the left hand he's out computer games hard for that ball oh and now murray and harden and DeJounte. And we're back here at the line. You probably heard, you just heard uh, Dejounte getting into it with Harden. And man, I was, I was like screaming when that started. When that happened, I'm like, "Fuck yes, dude!" I, didn't, I mean, obviously, I was watching the Saints game, and I'm sorry, Spurs fan. Not but... your fan. Not your fan. <laughs> Who the fuck is this dude? I was, Why the fuck I was are you on my watching. Podcast? I was watching history, okay? I was watching history be made on national television, so you can eat my shit. And you missed DeJounte living in James Harden's head rent-free. Well, thanks thanks to you, I was able to see it live, yeah. or at least uh, a good... You, you, I, you know, I was you, able to see a good replay of it. You, you saw you saw the positives from the game, not the, not the negative. <laughs> because I'm well, like... Because I, I, can't, I can't do... I can't pain myself... And show shitty ass highlights on my own timeline. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, and I just, I, I literally, I think it was once the, yeah, uh, after the second or after the first half, I kind of stopped watching and paying attention because I was into the game, into the Saints game. So well, that's you, my well, bad. You, d- you didn't miss much in that second half. I can say that. Obviously, I know. Obviously, and by the way, 
to all you Rockets fans, who gives a fuck if they blew a 25-point lead? Or it was actually technically a 19-point point lead. So y'all can <laughs> shit. Um, and, at, least yeah, we, right? and at least we didn't protest our loss, unlike them. Exactly. exactly. That's what I'm saying. They, they can eat shit. This is so stupid. And I love it because apparently it was it was franchise history for them to come back for a 25-point deficit. And I'm like, congratulations. You've completed once another regular season milestone and no playoff milestone since for 25 years. I mean, yeah. I mean, we were, you know, running around. Oh, you're, you weren't even born yet. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I'm like, what? So? You haven't done shit in twenty five years. Yes, you made a you made two Western Conference Finals and lost in both of them. You had a chance to win one, yet you didn't. You your team bricked how many three pointers that game? And twenty seven. Oh, wait, right. that was a twenty seven. Yes, it was the twenty seven. And you're, st- I don't. It's they literally, it, they literally they literally bricked more po- more three point shots. They. They missed more three-point shots than the all the points that they that they made up. It's I don't know, but then then also add on that I think you brought up something where yeah they've they've had an MVP. I'm like that's a regular season award. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Still regular season. It's still a regular season award. It means fucking nothing. And again, let's bash on the Rockets here because fuck the Rockets. Clearly, I will respect the Mavs, but say fuck them Rockets. It's the three teams I absolutely hate: the Rockets, the Lakers, and I'm kind kind of the Warriors just because of the past dynasty. But I'm kind of going on to the Knicks, where I'm like enjoying them fail and have some misery. I mean, after everything that's happened, for sure, absolutely, one hundred percent, we can shit on on the Knicks all we want. Yeah, but again, Laker fans are still delusional. I'm still on that point. They still say some really dumbass shit, especially whenever there was the there was the tweet by uh what was it real GM saying that um Woj think was saying that the Spurs are probably going to go into rebuild mode. All the Laker fans and all the salt in those com- in those comments about how happy they were seeing the Spurs f- being in misery, and then mentioning Kawhi. That's what you get for not trading Kawhi to us. I'm like. You fuck one. We're why in the hell do you think a Spurs would allow the Lakers to become one of their best competitors in their conference? And then two, you guys can't even get them in fucking free agency. That's not our fault. That's your fault because you guys are too fucking cocky. Yeah, that's a good point. But also, they've been they've they've been like the bottom of the friend of bottom of the league for quite a while now. That's why they've had plenty of. Um, of high first round picks. So yeah, I mean, they would exact, they would know exactly what, what the pits are. They, they would know exactly what the pits are for sure. Cause they've been there plenty of times. They missed, they missed the playoffs with LeBron. How the fuck exactly. do you do that? How do you, how do you, exactly. You know how, what, you know how much like of a shitty team you have to be to miss the playoffs with the best player in the world. It's, that's pretty fucking sad. Now they have Anthony Davis. They're a good team. I will say that. Will the longevity go because they are a much older team? I don't know. Especially whenever you have, and now introducing our NBA segment, where you have really good teams like the Mavericks and the Bucks who are just much younger, who are running all over everyone. The Mavs including, the Mavs are fucking good. They're a fucking good team. 
I, I think they're just playing really, really well within each other. Uh, you know, Luca has taken that next step, and he's looking amazing. He's looking amazing. He's looking exactly what you want him to look like. And for everybody that was pissed off that Luca got Rookie of the Year, this is exactly why he got Rookie of the Year. Yeah, because he can take his his game to the next level, and Trey Young still fucking sucks. His team, Trey Young's team, lost the damn Knicks. That's he's not making a difference like like Luca is. And then also, I know Luca is now out at least about two weeks with a high sprain ankle. But K- then KP stand takes stands up and he's just balling his ass off. The dude took two threes back to back from the logo against the Bucks and drained them. Yeah, on Giannis, on Giannis. I can't. It's I that kind of does hurt Luca's MVP looks, but that team looks good. I don't think Luca was really wanting an MVP. I think he wants the championship because that's what people strive for. They strive for postseason success, not MVPs. Houston, you should take a you should take a lesson from them. And yeah, exactly. Learn, <laughs> learn, and that's that's kind of crazy that we're saying that because we're <laughs> we're in the same division. But it's like you know what? If you're not going to learn from the Spurs, if you're not going to learn your mistakes from the Spurs, at least look at what what Dallas is doing. Rick Carlisle. You know, Mike Dan- D'Antoni, if you're not going to learn from Popovich after all the ass whoopings, you know, he's given you, learn from Rick Carlisle. Learn how to how to, how to to trust your players and use your lineups. You know, iso ball doesn't work all the time. Running your players into the ground doesn't work. You even admitted it yourself, you know, not too long ago on, um, on, on the other uh, – on your um, – his his conference. He said that James Harden, you know, w- was being tired. Was oh yeah, was the, looking, their was loss looking against, tired. They're lost against the Pistons. Right, exactly. Like it's just getting to him. It's, and I told everyone at the beginning of the season that that Houston team cannot be good at, at least in the long run. I thought they were going to do worse in the regular season, which I will admit I was probably wrong. But being in the long run, I think I'm going to be right. Seeing that team has no depth. They've already met, had some injuries where Eric Gordon is out, I think, the majority of the season. And they are running seven-man rotations this early in the season, and they are getting their ass whooped when they are tired as hell. And then also add on that they are essentially being carried by James Harden, which I will give him some games he does really damn well and has not going to the free-throw line that much. But still, he cannot carry that team, and you cannot expect that team to do well when come the postseason after James Harden and Russell Westbrook, who are in top 10 of usage ratings in the league are going to be just wiped out once this season, once the season comes to close and the postseason starts. Yeah, exactly. It's not that, that formula of basketball has been proven year after year, after year, after year, that it does not work. That if you're going to run one dude out there and have him dribble, the, the shot clock down all the way down or, you know, or halfway and then him take some crazy-ass wild shot and not play team basketball, your ass is going to get stomped and it's happened. Even LeBron James, the reason why LeBron James is so good is because he does everything so good. Like, he's not only a dominant offensive player in scoring, but this man is incredibly good when he has his assists. Like some of his passes, some of his assists are overinflated, and people, you know, blow those out their asses. 
but this man just knows how to find players and he's so good at passing and that's what makes him just one of the greatest uh, this i would say probably the second greatest player ever to to play the game it's it's incredible and that but that's why he that's why his teams have always or I would say almost 50% of the time have been successful in the finals is because he gets his teammates involved, no matter how good or how shitty they are. He gets everyone involved. Yeah. If you look at Mike D'Antoni's record as a coach, he has no championships. He has none. Yeah. He's had some really successful regular seasons. Look at the, look at the Suns in the, in that, in the late two two thousands. And then look at the Rockets in the late two late 2010s. Yeah, they might. They're doing pretty damn well to get themselves to in the playoffs and go pre a decent distance, but they're not finishing, and they've never finished. And Mike D'Antoni is going to be the cause of that. And there's something will break eventually. Mike D'Antoni is not going to be a head coach for, for much longer if something breaks. If they continue to to just underperform when it comes to the playoffs, because his I think Mike D'Antoni's pl- brain of basketball doesn't work in the long run. It does work in the short term to where you will have a really good seed come to going into the playoffs, and you might get a series or two, but you're not going to get to to the championship because you're going to be wiped the fuck out. You know what? And this to bring this back to Spurs basketball, this is why the Spurs suck right now <laughs> because you have an outdated Lamar Al- Lamar Aldridge Lamar and an Aldridge. outdated. I like it. <laughs> Damn it, <laughs> Lamarcus Aldridge and an outdated Demar Derozan. Demar Aldridge. Let's just go with it. it, it Demar Aldridge. I like it. It's gonna be Demar Aldridge. <laughs> you have an outdated Demar Aldridge that are occupying, you know, the, the majority of the minutes, and that are occupying the majority of that shot clock, and they're not moving the ball. Everything is going into the low post for for Lamarcus, or you, you give it to to DeMar at the top of the key and he kind of runs around with it for a little bit until he either decides to pass it or, or take a terrible shot. And that's, that's the biggest thing is the, the team is, it, they still want to continue to go to that like low post, give it to LA and run it out, run it from LA, you know, but the better, the best players on the team are not that way. The best players on the team are DeJounte, Derek and Lonnie. And, and those guys, you know, you have to have, you have to be able to, to, to run the rotation and pass the ball and they can get the ball and and do what they want with it, you know, but you don't see, you don't see them constantly running that shot clock out by themselves. You see them give passes, they run off, they run off ball and they go somewhere else and then try to get back into the play. And then, you know, they'll either take it and slash and, and, and score, or, you know, they'll, they'll shoot from, from distance and hopefully score or, you know, make some go to the elbow. Like DeJounte's favorite play is he's going to that elbow and he's, he's scoring from there. So it's just like the best players are the younger guys, unfortunately, at this point. Yes, DeMar is, is a crazy um, offensive juggernaut. And hopefully that, you know, hopefully he finds what he wants to find because I don't think the Spurs need to keep him long term. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, like I said, bringing that all together, iso ball doesn't work. The Spurs have been running that iso ball that just does not work anymore. All right. Let's get At least it. in their system. Definitely. Let's get away from the negatives. Let's go to the positive spectrum where everything is okay until you look at the fire right behind you. There's still, <laughs> there's still it's people. Like that, there's it's like st- that GIF where you see like the kids swinging and there's like a giant fire behind them. 
these we're going to be talking about the kids swinging because these are the positives. And like you said, I think some of the best players on this team are the younger guys, and they are really proving themselves. DeJounte Murray, I think he had a slow start, especially with the minute restrictions where he wasn't he wasn't his prime self, I would say. He wasn't able to get into a rhythm. And now suddenly the past two or three games where he's finally off minute restrictions, he is showing up. And currently, if you look at the look at the league, he ranks 10th in steals at 39 in the league and ranks 3rd in steal percentage. This dude is I mean, he, this dude's a menace. <laughs> yeah, he's he's so he had he started off really strong and then he had that low that low valley and then he he's he's currently coming back up and and showing dominance. And that's absolutely fine. You know, with with a young team, you expect that. And that's okay. That's okay to have these peaks and these valleys that these kids are going to are going to grow through it. That's exactly what you expect them to do. Um and that's fine. You know, I I'm okay with that. I'm okay with saying, okay, you know, that wasn't one of his good games, but you know, he, history has shown that he's come back from them, and he has. I mean, he took it to Harden. Harden was shooting like one for thirteen or two for thirteen, something like that, when when Dejounte was guarding him. I think Paul Garcia out there put a tweet that um, when Dejounte is guarding Harden, he Harden is shooting like. 13 out of 49 or something like some some crazy stat let me i'm gonna find it some um, abysmal stat for harden but a great stat for Dejounte. right right and and so so that's that's what you expect you expect these from these kids and that's okay that is what needs to happen for their growing pains i would rather see Dejounte, Derek, lonnie pearl um Chimezi, anybody grow through that and and at least know that they have higher ceiling than what we currently have at this point and here it is here it, here's here's the the tweet from at paul garcia nba when james harden attempts a shot and Dejounte murray is the defender guarding him when the shot is attempted harding is shooting three for 19 in two games three for 19 let me do the math on that real quick against three one. for 19 that is 15 percent <laughs> and that's against probably the best scorer in the game no matter what you want to say he's still one of the best scorers in the game currently and he is averaging 15 percent from the field when Dejounte is on him that's fucking insane that is that is and again i stated this in the game some guy tweeted out like he tweeted out a gif of harden and he's like who's clamping this guy and everybody, like if you go through the freaking replies, especially from the Spurs fan base, you just see Dejounte, 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 Lonnie Walker, Lonnie Walker, Dejounte, Dejounte, Dejounte. Like it's Dejounte. I I honestly want to believe Dejounte has like this personal vendetta or this this, this chip <laughs> on his shoulder against Harden because it just looks like whenever he goes up against Harden, he plays his best games and it's like. I think this dude just likes that challenge of trying to take down the biggest, baddest dude on the fucking court. Dude, he just and went up. Beautiful. He went up and shoved, shoved Harden because Harden shoved him, and he's like, "Fuck them! I'm not taking this from anyone. Even you may be the fucking beard, but I'm not fucking taking any of your bullshit." Yeah, that was. That's literally. You know, that's the highlight of the entire season. So far. <laughs> And I don't. That, if, if we're talking about if we're talking about positives, that's definitely the positive. And I, that's one of the biggest positives. And I think I think even if it was a loss, I think this game was this last game was a kind of a good turning point and or a good sign that they're 
I think DeJounte is stepping up his leadership skills and because we, we haven't seen that too much. But I think he's stepping up and he's finally taking that role by the reins of being that ball dominant ball dominant dude when it comes to defense and just being a leader and a dog out there. If you look at his stats the past seven six, seven games, he his steal numbers are insane. The past six games alone, he either has two or three steals a game. And he's averaging one point seven per game in this so far this season. These are like numbers that Kawhi had when he was in San Antonio, which is pretty damn insane. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's doing some. I think there was something the Spurs put out there that Dejounte is the the first player since Tim Duncan to to have like a thousand points and like two hundred steals or something like that. I'm gonna find that also. Um, but he's doing he's doing things. Again, people were shooting on him because he was having some bad games. It's like that's fine. You know, he's young. He's coming. He's just coming off of a freaking. Uh, a freaking ACL injury. Like, what do you expect from him? Like, how are you, how are you really trying to shit on this kid that a few months ago you were totally into? Um, you were totally thinking that he was going to be the, the franchise, the or he's the future of the franchise, and now you're shitting on him. Like, come on, man, come on. You know, you got to give him some time to work through it. Gordon Hayward has been or was terrible all of last season. You know, coming back from his ankle injury. Dejounte's gonna take some time. Like it's okay for him to take his time getting back to where he, where we want him to be. Yeah. So yes, Dejounte has been an absolute positive for the season. Yeah, and it's, and I was gonna say it's. Yeah, I think we all know that his his offense needs some work, and I think we all his shooting could use some work. But he's shown some signs of improvement. He's taking more mid ranges instead of not just taking shots right next to the basket, which I, I know one person was really talking about. But <laughs> his three point shot hasn't got there, but I will still say his shooting has, has definitely improved. And at least he take at least he attempts them occasionally. I'll take that. I I'd rather I'd rather have someone to attempt them who is still trying to improve his jump shot. Marco Bellinelli, you're not trying to improve your jump shot. But I, <laughs> I I'd rather I'd rather him take those occasionally and just try to work at his jump shot more than anything. But he's showing that he's one of the best defenders in the league no matter what. And I think that's that's always going to be his strength. I think we can live with that, especially with a team who's desperate for some improvement when it comes to the defensive end. So, so here's the tweet from the Spurs: Dejounte Murray reached a thousand career points over the weekend. He's the first Spur with a thousand points, six hundred rebounds, and three hundred assists in his first one hundred and fifty games since only one person, and that guy. That guy's jersey is up in the rafters. Number twenty-one, Tim Duncan. Like, <laughs> also, it's, like, it's also what, insane. Like, it's insane seeing him get six hundred rebounds as a as a guard. <laughs> exactly, that's what I'm saying. Like, that stat is, or that that just that is insane. The the amount of of potential that this kid can have, where he's the only person to have achieved this is the big fundamental himself the man that's basically put this organization on his shoulders and you're in that same company for this stat that is incredible that is incredible at the guard position at the guard position currently this season he has 139 rebounds (laughs) that's uh i want to say that's sixth on the team for total rebounds the only the other guys above him are the ones that are six six seven and taller, 
and LMA, Rudy Gay, Pirtle, Lyles, and DeRozan. While he's like 6'5". Six, no, 6'4", six, after the uh, measurement changes. That's just insane. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Wait, yeah. Is he still 6'4", after the I measurement believe, changes? I, he was six, Originally, he was 6'5", but then he was he was knocked down an inch at 6'4". I think he's still 6'5". Wait, let's let's hit on his player profile. 6'4", 170 pounds. Okay. Anyways, that's still better than a six-foot guard. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go into another quick positive. And I think this is, as we talk about a six-foot guard, Patty Mills has having one of his career seasons. Yeah, it might not be the best season for the Spurs, but this dude is just going on a tear statistically. And whenever, whenever it comes to some important moments in games, he's showing up and he's having a great role. I believe that uh, Jeff Gar, not Jeff Gar, uh, Paul Garcia, he had a stat had the I think uh, he had some stat where it rated it rated all the players based on different skills with the letter grade, and Patty Mills had a like a B plus a perimeter defense rating at six foot guard, and you don't really expect that from a six foot guard whose main ability is just to play make and shoot, and I'll give him a good I'll give him the kudos on that, but he's having a great season shooting forty five percent from the field forty one percent from three. He's just he's on the tear and he's there's a reason he's on this Spurs team. He's filling a veteran role, coming off the bench, providing spark, and he he is one of the best in the league when it comes to being that sixth man coming off the bench and leading leading off the bench as a result. Well and the thing so one of our, our Spurs our fellow Spurs zone contributor, who's actually a reporter, but he helps us out. Um, Jim Lovko, he wrote this article about sometimes in in these down seasons, sometimes they're not so terrible because you have these these storylines that come out of them that are still very memorable. And you know he mentioned he mentioned some in the past where you know these players had incredible incredible feats during you know during some really down seasons, um, and obviously a lot of them were before Tim Duncan. But um, one thing that he did mention was Patty Mills' season this year, because he has been amazing. He's been he's just been on a tear. Um, some of the shots that he's he's made have been incredible. Um, the way he's been scoring has been exactly what we wanted him to be, FIBA Patty, and he hasn't mm-hmm. slowed down a bit. And so these are the storylines that we have to hold on to. And this is why, you know, we're talking about it now because Patty is one of these storylines that, you know what, this guy, more true than any other season, this guy has been the heart of this team this year. And I think you really see him in that role of like uh, Manu, you know, or where Tim Duncan was at one point. He's taken that, that emotional leadership for the team and he's try he's he is definitely per, um, personifying that now he's always been like the team spirit the spirit animal of the team i mean he's always been that on the bench with the towel waving and everything and just this season it's just he's also putting it on the floor now and i love it and there we always have the debate should patty have his jersey retired or not if he continues this play this season and remains with the team and keeps playing this way even into the twilight of his career damn retire that man's jersey he's 31 in doing this and 
and not even only his stuff his on the court stuff is not the most impressive at times just cuz he's a he's a role bench guy but the he means so much to this organization he's been here for he's the longest tenured spur currently and he's always had an impact no matter what if it's on the court off the court and he just he's just a good dude too you how you cannot really hate patty mills unless you hate him draining a three against your team yeah, which he has done that plenty. So, but I think Patty's, Patty and DeJounte have been two of the biggest spotlights. We also talked about Jakob earlier in the podcast where he's kind of big. We don't need to repeat too much about Jakob besides that he is one of the top 15 players in the league in blocks. He ranks 15 in blocks currently. And then he's also 13th in offensive re- rebounding percentage with 12.4 Awesome Blacksburg game. I believe he's in the top. He's in the top twenty of the league himself. I Jakob has been something on this team that's been needed, and uh, there's a reason the Spurs traded for him when it came to Kawhi, when it came to the Kawhi trade, and he is showing his worth and why the Spurs might be better off in the long run with Jakob on the floor. Besides Demar and Keldon, because Keldon also is technically part of that trade. But Jakob is showing that the Spurs did not completely lose that trait in any sort of way because he makes a huge impact defensively and offensively for this team when it's needed. Well, I mean, okay, hold on, pump breaks there. I think that I think the Spurs lost a trait to begin with, period, and it has nothing to do with Demar and Jakob. It has the everything to do with the fact that the Raptors won a championship, and somehow they were still retained. Um, you know. Siakam and and OG, um, yeah. I'm not. I'm not saying the Spurs won the trade, but they also di- they weren't. They didn't. They didn't lose it as lose bad it. as people say. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. They didn't. They did not lose it as bad as people say. People were like, "Oh, they got absolutely fleeced," but it's like, no. Well, you know, there was a leverage issue, but then also they still got you know an all star and this um, you know a really high potential center you know that that could be a, again a defensive anchor for the future and a draft pick yeah. that turned into Kelton Johnson who and, we, and that could be untapped potential himself who could be you know you know Russell a more efficient Russell Westbrook light type player Russell Westbrook motor I should just specify that's the only thing about Russell Res- Russell Westbrook that he has but it's but those are like the main three positives. I think Derek has kind of had a down season, but he's. I think he's kind of making his comeback. Lonnie Walker, yeah, there's, but he's also he's also you know battled from injury. He had that like plantar fasciitis yeah. kind of flare up, so he hasn't had a fully healthy season um, this season, unfortunately. Dude, he had it. He had a really nice move against the Rockets, where it was just a simple stop, roll, and just go to the basket wide open. I loved it. Just it. He Derek just, has had. Okay, hold on. I, this is this is. I need to get this off my chest. This is this is where where I stand on my on my box, because people have been shitting on Derek White. Okay, first of all, I don't understand people shitting on Dejounte Derek um, or Lonnie for that matter. I don't understand anybody shitting on any of the young guys. Like big, the big just, the big young three. Yeah, the big young three. It just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, second of all, Derek White, for the love of God, Derek White might be the most polished young future spur we have like Dejounte, probably one of the most probably the rawest but has one of the most i wouldn't say the highest potential but he has the second highest potential lonnie obviously he's 
he has the highest potential, but he's not getting. I think Lonnie has the highest potential, but he's not getting the minutes that he needs. I was, I was gonna, say, I was gonna say that. Uh, I think Lonnie has the raw potential. Dejounte is already showing that he's great defensively. He just needs to polish up the offensive end. Good point. Very good point. Yes. Okay. I stand corrected. So I like that. So, so Dejounte, we knew he had raw potential, and now he's showing it. Uh, but now he just needs his offensive game. Um, but still very, very high potential. Lonnie, obviously extremely raw, but still very high potential. Still probably the most potential out of all three, um, but very raw. But yet he's still effective and he's he's valuable. Derek is the most polished future spur we have, period. Bar none, the most polished. Because this dude, like he is completely poised in any situation. He never looks frazzled. He never looks like he's like, like the game is getting too big for him. This dude just comes out and he and he plays and he balls. Yeah, he may have his peaks and valleys like every single buddy on this team does, but this man, day in day out, he is coming in and he is balling for this team, regardless if he's scoring points. He's doing things that that people that some of our players don't even do. You know, like Dejounte can't do some of the things that Derek does, and that's why that's why Derek was started starting for a little while because Dejounte needed to take a step back and kind of refocus and 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 reposition himself and get into it, and that's fine. That is that is exactly what you want these two guards for. People were saying, and, and 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 I think there there's times where where Dejounte and Derek should be playing together. Like for example, when they're closing out, but don't add Bryn Forbes in there. You need to add Lonnie instead of Bryn. But at the same time, I think this is such a good thing to have that you have these two phenomenal, um, extremely versatile guards that you can just play them up opposite of each other, and you have one of them on the floor at the entire time. Like how how demoralizing is that for a team to have to come in and they start and, and the, the opposing guard on one side is is Dejounte Murray and then they're like oh cool okay you know we can take a little break when he goes and sits down but then Derek White comes in and they're like son of a bitch are you serious <laughs> like it, it's a great problem to have and like I said I, I would love to see them play together more especially closing like the last four to five minutes six minutes whatever I think that's absolutely possible and doable, and it should be done. But at the same time, there's no reason to slander any of the younger guys when a lot of the problems don't are not centered around them. Exactly. And also add on that Derek has been stretching his game. He said in the offseason that he was going to be shooting 100 threes every day, and he's showing it up, and he's showing that he can stretch the, he can stretch the floor now, and he can be more versatile and I love that, where he said he's going to do something, and it's showing this season. He's shooting 40% from three while taking about 2.3 a game. That's still, it's not as much, highest. but it's still something. Yeah, I know. It's at, he's the second highest three-pointer that we have. Like For all the three-point point shooters that we have, Patty, Bryn, Marco, and even Damari Carroll, because he's more of a 3 and D guy. Derek White is shooting better than all of them, with the exception of Patty. Yeah, and... But again, like you said, it's this young three is very talented, and and people keep saying that the Spurs are going to go into rebuild mode. They've kind of been in rebuild mode, kind of in a half rebuild mode the past four years, and they've been getting some really good young talent through the draft. If you look at their draft, 
they're only the only one draft pick they don't have remaining since they drafted DeJounte is Jaron Blossom game. That's the only draft pick that's not on the t- team anymore. And wait, wait, Mil- Milotov was was before DeJounte. He was Mil- right. Yeah, Milotov was, was before DeJounte. He's twenty fifteen, I think. Yes. Which they should still bring him back. Like yeah, if they, they don't, I, I think they. I think like just roll the dice on him. If you need another big man, like screw it, just bring him over. Get rid of LA. If you don't, you know, if you don't get another center for LA or Demar. Just bring him over. Yeah, but these are the this young talent. Like I said, this first team has not kind of already been in a rebuild mode in a way where they're building this young talent. And yeah, Woj may say that Spurs might pull the plug and they might go into rebuild mode. Well, they don't really have to. This is not going to be a rebuild mode that we see from these other teams that we've seen that we've seen oh, these other teams fail in the Cavs, the Hawks, and all of them that they think that tanking is going to do it. Nah, this first team is already kind of in a good position come next season for definitely for next season for sure. This season it might not work out, but still next season looks very promising. Especially just with how young these guys are, how talented these guys are. And this first team, like I said in the in the past, the future no matter what is looking good for this first team. Yeah, absolutely. They've they've definitely yeah, people don't don't understand that they've stockpiled a lot of good young high high potential talent and then they set themselves up to be successful in 2021 and that was always like i think that was always the the mindset of like hey we're kind of putting everything off uh, off to the back burner for for 2021 because that's when a huge amount of free agents are going to be available they're extremely good and um the spurs will have if they work their contracts right, should have at least space for one or two possible max slots. Just yeah. depending on how, how they work their contracts with Derek and Lonnie and, and obviously LaMarcus and, and DeMar. Yeah, since 2016, they've drafted eight players. The only person that's still not remaining with the team is Jaron Blossom game. That's about it. Which is kind of a... Uh, a, a weird situation. I mean, that was that was one of those weird things. I don't I don't know exactly what happened there, yeah. but oh uh, well, the rest of the team looks fine to me. All right, right. Let's, take, let's take a quick break though. When we come back, we're going to talk about because we you can't avoid the elephant in the room. You can't avoid the trade talks. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that when we come back. <laughs> Hey, this is Jeff Garcia. If you're looking for the best coverage when it comes to your silver and black, look no further than to the Spur Zone, which you can find at News Force San Antonio and Fox29SanAntonio.com. From articles to podcasts and everything in between, make sure to go to the Spur Zone and follow me on Twitter at Jeff G Zone. We've got a lot off our mind, off our minds, off our chests. It's been it's been a while, like you said. It's been nearly nearly three months, I would say, since we October, have late October. Exercise the demon. 
And if you don't know what that is from, you need to watch the movie, damn it. I, I bet you don't know where that's from, right? You, you don't know where that comment is from. I don't. God <laughs> damn it. God damn it. Oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> this room is clean. <laughs> it's funny. Like, I'm, like, I get the humor to it. No, no, you don't get the humor to it, damn it. You don't. You don't understand where it's coming from. You don't. This is the context, bro. You're, you're the stats, and I'm giving you the context, and you're just not putting them together. Well, hey, we. this only works when the two come together, though. Whatever. Anyways, let's continue on. <laughs> All right, let's talk about um. Let's talk about because the big elephant in the room is trade talks. Because whenever the team's not going, the best answer is the trade, or what people make it out to be. But um, December fifteenth is already passed, which means ninety percent of the league is available for trades, or at least legally they're available for trades. Will team trade majority of their players? Nah, not really. They're going to be untouchable. But. But when we we're not going to dive into the different packages, we're not going to dive in that. That's already been explored and all that. And it's also there's just nothing too concrete to really go off of at the moment. But there there are some th- there are some trade targets, some players, some positions that this Spurs team really needs, and we're going to really talk about that more than the pa- the packages and the specifics when it comes to it or who should be involved in the package. One of the I think one of the first guys that you you've been mentioned you've been talking about even since last season is a player like Robert Covington, where it's a a three and D guy who can really help on the defensive end, stretch the floor still with his three point shooting, but the key I think the key aspect of that is improving the defense. Man, I have been wanting Roko for the longest time, <laughs> so. And 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 Minnesota has put it out there that if we if that they are willing to trade Robert Covington, and that is exactly what the Spurs need. The Spurs need a solid three to three to four guy. You know, a small forward, um, a combo forward type guy. If they can land somebody like a Robert Covington, um, like a like a Torian Prince, like a um, Aminu type player, I think that is going to make them. So so much more effective, so much more effective, um, and that perimeter defense is going to be so much better. You know, if we can imagine a lineup of like Dejounte Murray, Lonnie Walker, let's say a guy like Robert Covington, and then if you have uh, Demari Carroll and then you know, Jakob Pertle in there, um, that's a beautiful lineup. Like that's so good. It's, it's so getting a small a small forward that can defend a three and D type guy Robert Covington Autumn Porter Jr. Um, like I said um, Farouk Amino I think he's still on injury if he comes back hopefully I'm not too sure but somebody like that like a, a strong forward a strong small forward that can that can knock down the three stretch the floor and also defend that's going to be so wonderful so that is essentially if I could trade anybody on the team, that is a number one target that I would go for. That's that's what I would be targeting for. Is like, okay, who am I? Who's gonna? What team is gonna offer me that type of player? Boom. Yeah, book it. I agree with it. Uh, one of the other players that's kind of that's kind of been out there. A lot of rumors is uh, Evan Turner of the Pacers, and I think this would be a great this would be a great guy to because 
when you're looking at trades, you're looking to get rid of Lamarcus. He is 34. He is coming off of he's coming near his end of his contract, and you need a you need a big you need a good power forward to replace him as a result. Evan Turner would be a great target in my opinion, where you need a guy that can still punish the inside four. I think you've got enough scoring with younger guys that you can you can ignore the low post. I think you, you don't need you still need to care about it, but you don't need a high volume like Lamarcus has been. And I think Evan Turner yeah. is Evan Turner is one of those best bets. Yeah, you don't you don't need. I think exactly. I think with it because right now I think that the way the Spurs are the Spurs are set up is they have two opposing basketball identities. There's the older veteran squad that's built around the, the the low post ISO, you know, feed it to to one player and let them kind of create the offense. And then there's the other one where it's a much faster paced. Uh, let's move the ball. Let's you know pass the ball around and you know continue to slash in and kick out, slash in, kick out, slash in, kick out. Whoever can make the you know make the cut inside will. Um, and that's the type of those are the two identities you know that that are currently that the Spurs are currently trying to figure out which way they want to go to, and the road that they need to go to is with the younger guys. And so if you could, you know, trade off, ship off LA um, for some type of guy that's that's going to do that, that's going to give you the catch and shoot ability, or um, or be able to play off the ball much better. Uh, and doesn't need the ball in their hands to to make some to generate some offense, then that's exactly who you need to go for. I I want to correct myself. I've been saying Evan Turner. I meant Miles Turner. That's why I'm, <laughs> I don't know why I kept saying Evan Turner was still. Oh. So honestly, Evan Turner is still trade block though. Yeah, yeah. Evan Turner is still still he's still. But when I was talking about, I was talking more Miles Turner, the center position, power forward uh, the, position. Uh, the Pacers. Yeah. Uh, the Pacers. Like I said, I said Miles Turner. I said Evan Turner of the Pacers, but I corrected myself on that. But Evan Turner is still not a bad option. But Miles Turner, he's I think he's been a really good guy for the Pacers, always has been. And he's his that, contract is, is pretty good. It's nineteen nineteen million. Like it's not that bad of a contract for, for what he can bring. And if you want another imagine this, if you would say. Let's let's go into Dreamland. Imagine a front a, a front court of the blocking masters. Oh shit! Of- wait, wait. I thought you did that like ethereal thing with your voice. I thought, I thought that, that was an actual effect. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> sorry. Let me take you into deep space. Let, Let me... your mind be free and open your third eye to the <laughs> possibilities of the world. We're getting spiritualistic here on on that at the line. But, it's getting um, a little late. <laughs> but. Evan Turner, who's I think looking at his past seven games, you see this man blocking five, four times a game at times. Wait, wait, Evan Turner or Miles Turner? You Miles, get, dude, Miles Turner. Turner, right, bro? I'm just gonna say Turner after from now on, Turner. But imagine the blocking of m- masters of Pirtle and Turner down in the low post. That's a scary defense. Yeah, you would have to run Turner at at the four spot though, and I don't know how. I mean, he can definitely stretch the floor, which is good. Um. And Jakob would 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 man the fifth center. I think uh, you know you obviously Jakob would not be suitable as a four, but um, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Turner as as that stretch four position. That'd yeah. be insane. And That'd he, be insane defense. And he's shooting thirty two percent from deep, which you don't. He's not shooting them in volume, and he's still shooting a good thirty two percent. 
and you're not expecting a high percentage out of a guy that's a stretch four essentially, but still, that's just imagine the defense that you can cause down low against guys like Joel Embiid, Lyle Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Davis, because those are the those are the guys that are taking over the league at this moment, and you got to worry about that. And LMA just really isn't there to really to run against those guys. That's where you throw in Pirtle. And Pirtle does have his limitations on the offensive end. But still, throw in, throw in Miles Turner, who can, be, who can really stretch your offense a bit more than you actually have. He doesn't need, to, he doesn't need the ball score. You don't, he doesn't have really high point games. But there's a reason for that because he doesn't really need the ball to score. He can score down the low post. He can stretch the floor. He can get to the line. You don't really, you don't need what LMA is anymore, especially whenever you have guys like Lonnie Walker, like Derek, like Dejounte, who could really be taking up more of the scoring. Especially Lonnie Walker, where he if he has the ball and he's getting some good touches, he's a scoring machine. Imagine, imagine like, imagine if the Spurs had had Turner and Pirtle, and they were going against Joel Embiid, and Joel Embiid was backing down Turner, backing down Turner, and then he does a spin move. Only to have the weak side defender come, and it's own it's Jakob Purtle. It's like, imagine how, how pissed off as a center you'd be. Like, son of a bitch, I have to back down this giant dude, this Miles Turner, son of a bitch, and then I have to turn around and spin into this weak side defender, fucking Purtle coming in and blocking the shit out of me. Like, <laughs> and, and then suddenly Dejounte stripping the ball from him too. Like, like that's that's just terrible. You know, we'll talk about. That's that's Twin Towers 2.0 right there. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully that's but, what we want them to but be. But that's the kind. Of, but that's the kind of player that I think the Spurs need. I think a, I think a more defensive-minded four, five, additional five as a result, a guy that can do play both positions. I think that's always an important aspect to that team. To that, and also you could see if he, they say they did get Turner, I think that there could be that dynamic that Dejounte and Derek have where. One might be out there for part of the game, and then once they're tired, the other comes in and essentially fills in that role. So yeah, I mean, you have a solid one and five, one and five the entire game. You have a solid guard, and you have a solid centerpiece the exactly. entire game. Exactly, that'd be fantastic. And like, I think another position that we that I don't have listed on there would be another wing player, like like we already said about with Rocco, but kind of, I would say more of a. Someone that can stretch the floor a bit more. I think more like a Gordon Hayward. I would say. I, I don't think it's necessary, but it wouldn't hurt. Just a kind of an offensive guy, wing who can kind of do that three tier scoring in a sense. No, I I completely agree with you. If they could get somebody like Gordon Hayward, or you know, my personal favorite Bog uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich from like from the Kings, somebody that can score in all three phases. Um, and that doesn't need the ball in his hands all the time to score. They need somebody that's that's just a beautiful catch and shoot player. And if they can do that, I, I absolutely agree with you. You know, somebody that can play the the combo guard position that can score at you know wherever they're they're at on the floor would be amazing. Yeah, and I just needs I think some additional scoring to complement Dejounte and Derek. Kind of what Lonnie Walker I think is going to be is going to be in his career where he's going to be that wing that the Spurs need. But if you're looking at the current season that you can you can make some changes changes with trades, I think that's kind of another thing you should be targeting. You should not be targeting any guards. That's I think that's a no go. You have enough guards unless it's, unless it's like a a really really good guard, but yeah. there's none that they're going to trade for unless it's, unless it's like a two three type guard where it's a yes. guard forward. 
but yes, yes, you, yes. you don't need you don't need you don't need a point guard, which is mostly was mostly on the market currently, unfortunately. But you need a if you're the Spurs, you need a you need someone from the three to the five, especially if you're going to hit, if you're throwing in Lamarcus and Demar into those trade packages. Those you need to replace and retool those positions the most when it comes to trading, especially in this current trade market. Yep, get rid of the, the ISO guys, replace them with catch and shooters, and that way, you know, you're running the offense through your 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 guard position, yeah, and allowing them to either kick out or score the basket. I would, now I would not mind if it was just a defensive minded guy such as Miles Turner, because because your off your defense is in desperate need of fixing. So say that you do get something that's more defensive minded than offensive minded, I won't mind. I would not mind at all. Yeah, you, yeah, they definitely need need a better um, defensive perimeter player. So if they could get something like that for anybody of the trade, you know, whether it's L.A. Demar, Rudy, Brand, Marco, whatever, you know, they they definitely need that for sure. All right, let's get away from the trade market and let's go to some fantasy type aspects. Let's go into fantasy land because you've been uh you've been part of a cool thing and i've kind of been like an additional piece to it just that's unofficially part, assistant part of it. gm assistant <laughs> gm um you're dealing with uh what ari hoops am i getting that right yeah ari wagner of uh ari hoops so what we're doing or what they did was uh there is a collective of obviously there's a collective of, of nba basketball fans out there and you know all these blogger group sports um sports journalist type guys and girls or just anybody just sports bloggers in general that got together um and they're doing a redraft of the nba with current players and uh, you're drafting only the starting five which it with the way the draft's been going it's a bit slow but i it's understandable when you have 32 teams going at it because they added a Vegas team and a Seattle team, and we've kind of we've come up with a pretty damn impressive team, I would I would say. So currently, with our first pick, we, and we we had a pretty late pick, I think the 28th pick, a snake draft, which that does not really bode well after you get your second pick. <laughs> yeah. But so we start you, we started off by drafting Christoph Porzingis. Who is go like we said is going off for the Mavs out of, with Luca out, and he's always been a personal favorite of mine. Honestly, I've liked him since he's in since he's been in New since he was in New York. I like his play style. I would love he is a great Spurs fit if he could ever come here, which I highly doubt's going to come since he signed a long extension with the Mavs and he's playing with his buddy Luca. But KP is KP is what. Is like the nar is another big man that you got to worry about in this league, and in the league that's just having a revolution of big men and the way that they are playing. I mean, they call him the unicorn for a reason. He's he's the unicorn, and this dude is just he can shoot anyone on the floor. He can block. He can guard pretty much anybody, with the exception of maybe like a really really quick guard. But he just has this extremely high versatility in his game. And, and it's just and and he's he's the prototypical modern center that you want. Did we also mention he's seven three? Exactly, he's the modern four five. Like it's just it's amazing his game, you know. So, all right, we were and then with our second pick, we've always we've been talking a lot about Miles Turner. Why not talk more about his 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 teammate Sabonis? 
this dude, Sabonis. Sabonis? 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 I always call him Sabonis. I think it's Sabonis. All right, you you talk about Sabonis while I go figure out the pronunciation. So so the reason why so, – so this draft is basically um, – obviously, it's a redraft of all the, the current NBA players. And so we definitely wanted to go with um, – we wanted to shore up what the Spurs are missing now, which is definitely interior presence as far as defensively and, and these guys and guys that are able to stretch the floor. So obviously, we went with KP first as, as our – you know, as the foundation. And then secondly, we wanted to go with somebody that complements KP. So that way, if Kristop wants to stay on the outside, which he's phenomenal at shooting the outside ball, he can, but you still have a solid defensive presence on the inside. And so that's why we went with Sabanis, because this guy is an absolute terror with the interior boards and scoring. I mean, he is just extremely insanely efficient. Um, and, and the, the motor that this guy has is just amazing. And I think this is the reason why the Pacers would rather keep Sabanis than they would keep Miles because um, I'm not trying to, to trash or ship Miles in any way, but Sabanis is just, he has this like insane motor that this guy just, he just plays hard all the time and he's, a, he's extremely efficient at it. This guy's probably averaging a double, double, um, and, and and the fact that he can play in the inside with anybody is just it's amazing. I mean, what he's doing is he he's definitely taking his um, his game up to the next level. And and complementing that with KP, that that's a that's a deadly deadly front court right there. He's currently averaging this season seventeen point seven points a, ga- a game, thirteen point five total rebounds, while shooting fifty one percent from the field. Damn, damn, that's beautiful. And he's probably one of the Top guys in the league when it comes to PER, just the difference that he makes on the floor alone is damned is very telling, and we were able to get him at a really good, good spot in the second round, I would say. But Sabonis, he's a defensive nightmare. He is his defensive rating. You want to guess his defensive rating currently this season? Is I think the last time I checked was like ninety seven. Uh, it went up to one hundred one. Which is still, I think, amazing. It's still phenomenal. <laughs> like it's still amazing. I think, I think all of our team right now is like low one hundreds as far as defensive rating and offensive rating. They're they're highs. Yeah, it's it's very telling, and I think that he was a steal. And it, just the pairing of those two together is very is a very good mat is a good mix. The third right. pick, we all while we are representing the Spurs, we cannot go without picking a Spur. And DeJounte did get picked earlier in this draft, and we thought, why not go with the most polished guy in the, guy on this team, Derek White. Derek White, the third pick, third round, third round pick. I think this is what – you said this perfectly, that he is the perfect guard to put up, again, put up with Sabonis and KP. Yeah, absolutely. There, there's no one else that you want or that was, that was even better. Like at that point, you know, you have to have – if you have if you have two elite front court players, you have to start start looking into into getting somebody that's going to feed them the ball, and who better to do that than you know somebody that's poised, that's an underrated floor floor general, um, you know that can create his that can create his own shot and that's not afraid to drive in, but at the same time can can pass and assist. Derek White was easy. It was an easy easy pick with Derek White. Definitely, and I think. Derek is a great pick and roll type player, especially being the maestro at the at the pick at the roller. 
not the role, the the man that's leading the pick and roll. Yes. And having guys like Hayden and Sabonis who are just big big dudes and can be dominant at the rim and also stretch the floor. That's perfect. Sabonis so is not he's not shooting as well from deep as he has priors, but having KP who can still shoot the ball and then Sabonis who can drive down the rim. It's kind of like what the Magic are doing with with Derek Powell and Dwight Powell and KP where Dwight is the one that will that will roll to the rim and KP can be the one that stretches the floor while Luka is is the maestro at it at the helm of it. Yeah, and Derek is an elite pick and roll and pick and roll player. Exactly, and now add on that he can stretch the floor himself, even yep. better, and also add on that, that his defensive skills set is there too. He might not be flashy with the stats and steals, but he's still making a defensive ch- effort and locking people up. Absolutely. So we are only through four of the five rounds, so we don't have our f- complete team. But with our fourth pick, we got steal. Kyle Kuzma dropped to the hundreds. Every and- Spur wanted this guy, like actual in real life, like the Spurs wanted this guy. <laughs> Yeah, I wanted. The Spurs this wanted a couple. The Spurs wanted a couple of the guys that we had. And yeah, I know KP. They want KP. They have Derek and Kuzma. I think, and Kuzma is. I think he's not getting as much run this season as AD is kind of taking the taking the realm of minutes and all that. But Kuzma is a talent in himself, and he showed up. So that should be in a later draft pick. Again, with the same draft draft as Lonzo, he didn't get the shine originally, but. He's shown help himself. Yeah, I, I mean, adding so adding Kuzma at such a or at, late in the draft like that um, was was kind of I mean was probably some I think the biggest steal out of the entire draft just because now you have four guys on the team that are all under twenty five. You have three guys on the team that are almost well, at least two of them are almost seven foot, and the other one is about six eight, six nine. Um, all these guys, you know, every single one of these guys that are on your team can switch in different positions. They they are all all long, athletic, and they're all versatile in what they can do. And so it's just, I mean, the length on the team that we have on our redraft for our Spurs team is just it's amazing. Yeah, and he and he was essentially trade trade to the Lakers on draft night for D'Angelo too, which is even it's pretty impressive, but. Mm-hmm. But this so far, so KP Sabonis, Sabonis actually, I, re, I looked at is according to Basketball Re- Reference, which is one of my favorite websites now. Demontis Sabonis. That's a B. Sabonis, told you. Capital, I said Sabonis. I've been saying Sabonis. <laughs> oh, maybe. Was I saying Sabonis? You've been, you've been saying remember. Sabonis. I've been saying Sabonis. <laughs> it's lowercase S U H, uppercase B O H, then lowercase N I S. Gotcha. Sabonis. Also, he has, he has amazing hair. He has a pretty damn good hair. But I, I don't think anyone's going to beat Gordon Hayward's hair in this league. He always has that pompadour look. Dude, it, hey, it looks clean. I can't I can't deny it. But so we have the fifth round coming up. We need to fill – we do need to fill in that shooting guard Small. position. Oh, yeah, shooting guard, yes, sir. Yeah, because Kuzma, Kuzma is running three for us. Right. And we have a pretty damn big team too. <laughs> I'm telling you, dude. I told you we have a big team. So Kuzma at so, six, Kuzma at six eight, Sabonis at six eleven, and then KP at seven three. I'm telling you, it's that we have a long team, dude. Like this team is extremely long. <laughs> but so we we're not gonna we're not gonna reveal the plans that we have for the five because we don't want to reveal our game plan. But we we have some 
we have two targets in mind that we that are either could be defensively effective or offensively effective. But let us know. Let us know if you had the ability to redraft for the Spurs with current players, who would you draft? I want to know. You know, see if you – well, I mean, obviously in our situation it was a little bit different because we did a, a snake draft, so we couldn't have free reign of who we wanted. But you tell us. You know, let us know who you would go with for your three. Um, yeah, who are tr- who are your trade targets that are later in the draft? Not they're not like the first, they're not the go to all stars. Who are some of the other guys that you would love to fill fill in your roster with? And you- right, yeah, give us give us some realistic starting fives that you want. Like obviously, you you would if you have a f- fantasy starting five, you'd have like Giannis, LeBron, Kawhi. But give us a realistic, you know fantasy or give us a realistic starting five that you would have let us know i'm kind of interested in what what people can collect together definitely and you can do that on twitter and at the line pod or on our personal twitters you can find me at ty yeager radio you can find mac at mac pen media and i that's a good wrapping point for us after this long episode of finally being back jesus christ yeah i need to go to sleep it's really like one o'clock yeah and yeah we're recording this late but we got this going but again you can you can at the line is brought to you by News Force San Antonio Spurs Zone, lit by the man himself, Jeff Garcia, aka our boss. But uh, go check out the Spurs Zone for all our content that we've put out there. We put up, I think, the latest one that we all worked on were grades for the quarter seat, the quarter season grades. And I'm still disappointed that you gave Marco a C. Still, you know what? After after past few games, he needs to be real. I, I told you he should have an F. I don't know why you didn't trust me on the on this. You know what? Once I submitted it, it was it was gone. It's just it was it was ready. The internet had a hold of it. I couldn't do anything. About it. You regretted it. <laughs> I regretted it instantly, instantaneously. <laughs> All right, I'll make sure to check us out on our home base at thelinepodcast.com, or you can find us on essentially everywhere that you get your podcast: Apple, Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcast, Stitcher, and the whole loads of more. Make sure that you can find that all on our home base at thelinepodcast.com or on our Twitter at thelinepod. Make sure you get your merch. It's the holiday season. Gotta do the Christmas thing because this is a Christmas podcast during Christmas time. But we got merch. If you guys want to get your get your stuff, the guys drunk hoodies, some at the line hoodies, because who doesn't know that guy that's always drunk? Totally not me. <laughs> <laughs> but you can find that all at bit.ly slash at the line store. Again, or you can also find that on the home base at the line podcast.com. Mac. What are your last thoughts? You know what, guys? I understand that the season seems very bleak, but at the same time, just the only thing we can do as fans is express our attitude or express our opinions. And everybody's opinion is somewhat, or, you know, everybody's opinion, they have the right to their opinions. Um, and they can air them out wherever, they can make the comments wherever. And if you can't handle, you know, people criticizing them or make comments against them, maybe don't air them out, you know, publicly online. Um, and for people that just want to be complete assholes, maybe don't be complete assholes online. Everybody needs to just chill out. You know, ultimately, you know, Popovich and, and the team, they understand that it's more than just a game. So let's just also have that same mentality that, hey, it's just a game. There's more to life. Um, and all we can do is just support the team that we love, unfortunately. 
Hashtag don't be an asshole. That's the, that's the meaning of this asshole. message. Don't be yeah. an asshole this Christmas season. <laughs> yeah, be nice. I, I say, nice. I say, while there it is some dark times, especially in the past, however long it's been, have some confidence. I think this team is going to be very good for the future. There's some good young talented guys on here. I think the Spurs will finally get their will get their act together eventually. Will it be too late at some point? Maybe, but. The future of this team is still going to be damn good and it's in good damn hands with DeJounte Murray. That is for At The Amen. Line. We'll see you guys next time here on At The Line.